Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a periodic discussion with guests from around the But Why Though writing community brought together under one roof to discuss the latest happenings in the nerd pop culture community. My name is Aaron, and today I'm joined by But Why Though's very own editor-in-chief, Kate. Hi! And, of course, the man behind the curtain that makes everything tick, Matt. Hello! All right, welcome guys, welcome. Lots of great things to talk about. This week we are going to be getting into the some of the latest trailers, including Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, The Boys spin-off, Gen V, and if we have time, American Gigolo, but that's just for Kate. Yes, that was my <laughs> personal request to appear on this podcast. Also, this week, we're going to have our weekly topic focusing on comments made by Eric Kripke talking about traditional TV showrunners' approach to streaming shows versus modern streaming showrunners. It's a good one. Do not miss it. And lastly, Kate, Matt, and myself will give some thoughts on some of the great things we've been watching lately. So stay to the end. So let's dive into the trailers for this week that have caught our eyes. And of course, we have to start out with the Rings of Power, again, because we know that Omai oh Mithrandir loves <laughs> the space. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the series look. I, I know that there have been some changes made to some character backstories. It's pretty clear, I think, a lot of the elven pieces and then Galadri- Lady Galadriel herself has gone through some changes. But overall, looking at that trailer... There is a significant amount of production money that has gone into this show. I am excited for it because Tolkien has such an expansive world. And the only reason that that world didn't keep growing and more appendices weren't written was because the man died. (laughs) Like he would have kept building on it if he could. And he did. And so I think whenever we're going to get something that is new and going into a different part of the world of Middle Earth, I'm just automatically excited for it. Because it is a world that I love so much. I'm not excited to talk to people online about it. And I probably won't. <laughs> but the online uh, discourse, Kate. The online discourse. <laughs> no. Uh, I will have that discourse on this podcast. And that's it. Like, my name is Zomimith Randier. Lord of the Rings is in my veins. I love it. It is my one of my first loves. Um, but it's also the thing I don't talk about all the time. And I feel like, just from the trailer alone, showed me why I don't want to do that in this iteration either. So I guess that's a really interesting question because I know about as much of Lord of the Rings as what I have seen in the films. I've read the Hobbit books and I really enjoyed those when I was a kid, um, but I have not read the Lord of the Rings series. So I guess this uh, Rings of Power, is that like building upon like just an origin that's there or was, like you said, is this... so it's a prequel. It, it, it's, it's essentially a prequel to The Lord of the Rings. It is using a lot of the stuff from the appendices and the Cimmerillion. Um, and it is using backstories of some characters, attributing them to somebody else, or expanding on backgrounds of characters, some of which you see in The Lord of the Rings, but very specifically Galadriel in that fact. But the difference here is that it is not coming from the books or at least saying to come from a lot of the extra work that Tolkien did. Because essentially... If Tolkien said there was a tree in this spot, he then wrote an appendix which told you how that tree got there, (laughs) how long the tree lived, and everybody who walked by that tree, because that was the type of man he was. (laughs) 
I mean, that's that's it's interesting as well because, like, given then you've got that these like kind of parameters of what the story is, and it sounds like there's a lot of the format's already there. Then there's a little bit of creative freedom then coloring the lines essentially. Yeah. For this era specifically, Matt. Oh uh, no, I so I guess for me, I have not watched this trailer because. I, I'm interested in the show. I'm also very worried what we're going to do with this show. I know it's been one of the one IPs that has been as explicitly not supposed to be touched. And now we're touching it. And also, prequels are never good. Nothing. Nobody's ever made a good prequel. I'm sure somebody's going to say, like, you made it. No, no, nobody's made a good prequel. Hobbit was, the Hobbit movies were yeah, bad. Yeah. I mean, they weren't. They, I don't think they were as dumpster fire as people said they were, but they weren't good. And obviously, I don't know all the intricacies. Like, I've watched, obviously, the movies, played some of the games. Obviously, I've read The Hobbit. Everybody's done that one. And obviously, that was quite a few years ago at this point. But I'm intrigued to see it. It does look like it's going to be very expensive. But I'm just, I'm not, I hope it's going to be good and interesting. I just just don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard this, in the range of, like, 200 million they'd spent on the show. So, it's significant budget, even for a streaming show. I mean, that's a big budget for a movie. And I do think to Matt's point, like, it is something that, I guess for me, you don't touch Lord of the Rings unless you're going to do it well. And if you're not going to do it well, don't touch it. Because Tolkien literally developed entire languages for this world. Yeah. Like, he created, a fin- like, alphabets. He created grammar. He did all of this. And so it is one of those things when it comes out, we're going to see how much they've actually stuck and how much has deviated. This is going to be one of those, like, I don't need your modern spin and I don't care. I don't, yes. like, we don't, and I'm sorry, Russo and your Hercules modern spin. I don't want that for the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And if they do that, I'm probably not going to like this. Yeah. Which I will say, having watched the trailer, that was one of my fears is that they were going to inject modernity into it. And I don't think they have yet. It, it has that epic feel that the Lord of the Rings films had. And a lot of that is driven by location and costuming choices. And a lot of what we've got into scene is really leading in le- leaning into epic fantasy versus a lot of like the other stuff. Cause like story, I'm gonna be honest, I don't like American storytelling nowadays. It's not good. A lot of the times it is just not well done, especially with how, with female characters that they try to put like in leads, like they just don't write them well. Um, it's very surface level, and I think for Galadriel, she's a character that means so much to me. Yeah, that that is, she is the one thing that I am worried about in this series. I think it will be beautiful. I think the costuming will be great, but if they mess up Galadriel, it would be a no for me. <laughs> it's it's. I guess it's going to be interesting to see because I think of of what the whole Prime video has been quite ambitious in some of the titles they've been taking on i mean you look at you know stuff like invincible the boys they've kind of gone through some other indie stuff which kate i know you've you've reviewed and done live streams of um and knowing they're taking on something like this that hasn't been done before of such a beloved franchise you've got you've got to expect right that they know there's an inherent level of risk but the fact that they've pumped 200 million into it and they're they're you know, going ahead with it, there's got to be, I imagine they think it's pretty decent or it'll stand alone. Fantasy is very hard to really stick. And especially like, you're not talking about an original fantasy now, like that hasn't been, you're going back and trying to redo something that people- The granddaddy of fantasy. Like it is, it is literally the foundation that all fantasy is built on. Moving on, (laughs) speaking of high fantasy, we also just today, as we are recording, 
during San Diego Comic-Con got our first look at the trailer for Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And this just looks so much camp and so much fun. I'm going jump, to jump in right ahead and cutting you off right here. One, I love Chris Pine. Chris Pine is the best Chris's. Chris Pine is the only Chris. Chris Pine is... Chris Hemsworth is Shut good! Shut up, Chris Pine. Um, two, Chris Pine is playing a bard, which is also my favorite class. So I get my favorite Chris playing my favorite class. And it's live action. I'm here. I could just have Chris Pine playing a lute for two hours, and I'm okay. There is something about having a man like Chris Pine, who is like filled with the leading man energy, and every like this man has done every sort of leading man you can think of. And it's like you know what? Screw making him a warrior class. We're giving him a lute. And I'm like, you know what? I hope he asked for it. I hope he was like, no, I don't want to be a warrior. I want to be a bard. I want to be a bard. I want to be a bard. Let's (laughs) let's live it up. No, I'm really excited. First, the Chris Pine of it all. Come on. It's going to be great. (laughs) What really has my buy-in is I'm a sucker for creature design and showcasing good creature work in films. The owlbear looked amazing. The mimic chest looked so dope. And I am excited to see a live-action Dungeons & Dragons where you are actually getting people fighting things in the dungeons and the dragons because that's, like, the important thing. Because a lot of the times they hold back on actually showcasing a lot of these giant monsters that we know. Because, like, as much as Lord of the Rings is a pivotal foundation for fantasy, Dungeons & Dragons is as well. Like, you have Lord of the Rings, and then you have Dungeons & Dragons that comes in and really establishes what we see in fantasy from the from the certain point of what you have. And I'm excited from it from that. Also, Chris Pine just looks so happy. <laughs> did you see him come out today on stage? I did. He was just and like, he, yes. He I talked just... about how he had never, never really played D&D, never knew anything about it. And then his son literally called a family meeting where his son DM'd like an entire Dungeons and Dragons game with the entire family. And he was like, I fell in love with this. And now I'm going to make every cast I'm on in the future come and play Dungeons and Dragons with me. And I was like, this is adorable. (laughs) Like, I don't think everything has to be quote unquote good. I think that some projects can succeed because the actors just have a joy in doing what they're doing. Like one of the reasons I did really like Thor Love and Thunder was because Chris Hemsworth was just like, that man just loves being Thor. (laughs) And I want him to just be happy. Like I like I love that, and I want that for Pine too. I I definitely think there's something to what you say, Nick. Recently watched uh, like the Lost City on Paramount Plus with Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Sandra Bullock, and it's just fun, and you can tell they had fun doing this, and I think that entertainment value really like you know jumps through the screen and grabs the audience. And again, this film certainly seems to be fun. Now I'll, I'll admit I saw the character intro that I think Rotten Tomatoes caught last night. And I was a little weary because I was like, oh man, this looks, a, the balance of cheesy canvas. I was just like, it looks a little off. But seeing the trailer, I was like, oh no, this is this is the perfect amount. I also think as somebody who plays like RPG, like video games, I'm going to love seeing them find new weapons and level up along the way. Like that's just going to be great <laughs> to see. Also, Reggie John Page is in it. And yeah. he's like a warrior elf. And like they show him killing a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, yes, give me. I love this man and I love swords. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Chris Pine. There's Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Sophia Lillis, uh, Reggie Jean. Hugh Page, Grant! Hugh, Hugh Grant! Hugh Grant. 
and uh, Justice Justice Smith as well. As long as we're getting yeah. Pokemon Justice Smith and not Jurassic World Justice Smith. I yeah, Jurassic agree. World let Justice Smith down. Yeah, not not his not his best. He didn't get didn't no, didn't no. get room to shine. But in Poke uh, in Pokemon, I, I like him in Pokemon. I loved him in Pokemon. I loved him in Pokemon. Yeah, was, was yeah I think it's a great cast. It's a great cast, and I think just like watching their rapport with each other. I think is something that's really going to push the movie because you can get by with a really great cast and a really fun concept. And the effects actually looked better than a lot of the effects we have been getting from other studios recently, at least for yeah. the trailer. And it's also being directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who are two very, very big nerds who love film. Um, oh my God. For, oh, sweets. Sweets. Yeah. Sweets. Sweets from Bones. John Francis oh. Daly. Oh my God. I love this for him. Well, I, feel, rise I, feel really up. Bad, I feel really bad for them because they were both very excited to work on The Flash. Yeah. And then The Flash happened. So <laughs> they left that project and then they jumped into this, which, hey, I, you know, I think it works out for all of us in the long run. I think anybody that yeah. left that project, it worked out for them. <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. But Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves will be coming March 3rd, 2023. Which also, if you all don't know, Jonathan Goldstein wrote Horrible Bosses and Game Night, two of the best like adult comedies that there are. So I'm excited to see that level here. Next up was a unexpected announcement, but I think uh, there have been a couple of rumors in the wind about this, but the boys have announced a spinoff that will be focused around a college-age group of super-powered beings called Gen V with quite the large cast list as well. All I'm going to say is we don't know much other than the cast list, but I have a feeling, as the kids say, this is going to be very cringe, and especially with American writing, it might be very terrible, and you're going to be rooting for all of them to probably die at some point in this show. Like the boys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, exactly what we're all, all looking for. Yeah, I'm excited because Chance Perdomo is attached to it. He was Ambrose in Chilean Adventures Sabrina. He is just really amazing. I love that man. And I just love that he's getting work. And I love that. We're, I also really liked the reveals of the cast because they're not pure teenagers. Like they are all in that older teen to like early 20s area. And so I think that's going to let you go a lot further with the concept too, I think. I'm just such a big fan of the boys and, you know, everything they've been doing. And that world is just bonkers it's just so out there the comics are crazy i know it's it's been interesting having people watch the current season like oh man this is crazy that i can't believe some of the stuff i watched i'm like it's still quite tempered down in comparison to what you've seen in like in the comics are insane uh, a lot of fun um but we get to see more of this world and what they can do and this is an original story so uh it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of expand upon this. I mean, what we got from the boys' Diabolical, the, an the animated anthology series, was phenomenal. It was some yeah. really good storytelling in that. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for what it can be. I'm actually excited to learn nothing else and just roll with what we got. Because <laughs> um, even the Gen V as a name is a play on Gen Z, so it's totally going to make me, like, shrivel up and die inside. Yes. But I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I wonder if they'll be selling pink sauce. No, in this. no. <laughs> I'm looking for like all kinds of crazy play with like you know the social media aspect and the TikTok challenges and the the TikTok. Eating... Yeah, TikTok. We gotta be on um, the TikTok. and eating 
eating Tide Pods or something stupid or uh, whatever they can come up with. Like, there's there's so much in there I think they can play off of. And uh, I think it's going to be fun. And again, it's just, it's within that Eric Kripke realm of telling stories. And that the man... Just, just another show that we get to root for the people's deaths. Exactly. I mean, just... Give us a reason to just have these horrible people that we don't like and can root against. So, so how how are we doing on time, Kate? Do we have time for American Gigolo? Should we should we slip this in? All I'm gonna say is American Gigolo looks amazing because John Bernthal deserves the world, and I love that man very much. And you get to see a lot of him. I got two things before we get going. One. I'm as, as tall, if not taller, because most of those people lie. You are as tall. As John Bernthal, and that's all that matters. And two, Wayne Brady's in this. And the reason I said it like that, too, outside of the outside of the skit, was watching evil Wayne Brady, whether it's the skit or even how he plays in the colony, is fantastic. I am here for all evil Wayne Brady things. <laughs> two takeaways take today. take none of his expected. Matt loves Wayne Brady and Chris Pride. Pine. No, evil Wayne Brady. That's what I need. Evil Wayne Brady. Evil Wayne Brady. Also, the reason Matt brings this up is because for some reason, I feel like John Bernthal radiates 6-2 energy, but he's a whole Matt, and I still haven't, like, it's weird. That just means I radiate big energy. <laughs> it's not something he's kind of done before, playing the no, kind of, No, like, he hasn't. It, he plays, very... like... He, he, like, he plays weird things. Yeah, well, I was going to say, because I think the most the most different thing I've seen him in so far has been King Richard. And then yeah. this is probably pushing that even further. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But those are some of the trailers that we have watched from these past two weeks. However, there is an absolute slew of trailers out there. I encourage you to go watch them all, because they're fun. Uh, but that brings us nicely onto our next topic. Uh, obviously, the boys finale recently aired on Prime Video in explosive fashion. Uh, but that's not what caught our eyes during these past two weeks. Uh, in a recent interview, showrunner Eric Kripke made some really interesting comments that we thought would make a brilliant conversation. So he sat down and talked with Vulture. And he said this in relation to uh, a question about streaming TV and kind of how he approaches it said look i love streaming i can't see ever going back to network it's the ability to do two things have most of your scripts written before you shoot the day of film and have all the episodes finished before you turn them over to air there are logistical benefits that would be impossible to give up because you can tell a coherent piece in a way you simply cannot with network tv it's already aired you threw it out the door you're locked in it happens all the time we're in the middle of filming filming episode seven and we realize there's a different storyline we need. We still have time to go back and shoot it for episode one and drop it back in. The downside of streaming is that a lot of filmmakers who work in streaming didn't necessarily come out of that network grind. They're most comfortable with the idea that they could give you 10 hours where nothing happens until the eighth hour. That drives me nuts, personally. As a network guy who had to get people interested for 22 hours a year, I didn't get the benefit of, oh, just hang in there and wait and don't worry. The critics will tell you that by episode eight, it really hits the fan. Or anyone who says, well, what I'm really making is a 10-hour movie. You're <laughs> not. Make a TV show. You're in the entertainment business. End quote. We saw this in the Discord. We were having some good conversations. We thought, hey, let's bring this to the podcast. Let's talk about it. 
So I guess there was there was some interesting talking points there, you know, as we we're looking through this that we were able to pull pull out. And the first point we kind of want to bring up is network TV versus the streaming framework evolution. So obviously, you know, over TV's been king as far as like it's you know twenty two episodes, especially in the American uh, industry, it's been twenty two two episodes. You've got a winter finale, spring finale. There's a lot of stuff to cram in. You've got fluff episodes, everything like that. Obviously, in the last couple of years, streaming has really taken, uh, you know, lapped everything that TV has been able to do. And you've got shortened seasons, 10 episodes, 13 episodes, 8, 6, you know, whatever may be the case. Um, so it's interesting to see Eric Cricky's opinion on that, given he's seen both sides of the coin. Kate, I know you're a big Supernatural fan, also a big streaming fan. Well, yeah, and I think that that's the thing. Like, I think if anybody's going to make this analysis, I feel like Eric Kripke is the best guy to do it. Because um, he doesn't just have, like, a small series under his belt. He has 15 seasons of the same show with the same lead actors. With a big um, fan which base as well. is really unheard of. Like, a lot of the CW's popularity came from the, like, continued viewership of that show um but with that and as somebody who is i have watched supernatural as a whole so i have watched supernatural seasons one through 13 about six times each um i have i've only seen 14 and 15 once but like that is how like i love supernatural also eric kripke thought his series was gonna finish he has written four different endings for this series that are all in the series and it is one of those things where like you like hearing him kind of put it this way as a viewer and a fan there is a lot of stuff that i love about supernatural but there are a lot of times that the show contradicted itself there are a lot of the times that the show had to retcon and there are a lot of times that the show had such a phenomenal like the first two series finales that just ended up being season finales were actually really really good um and so i think when you're working in a piece where like you haven't signed on for a specific number of episodes you're constant limbo you don't know what the future is going to hold you end up in a situation where you're sacrificing story for just general content um and i think that that is something that we need to kind of look at i mean you hear it happening you see it happening in the anime space as well we're like oh we've gone above the manga we must now start making filler episodes to let this thing catch up with us and filler episodes are great and fun, but it can also be a detriment to the story itself. And I think when we look at what he's done with the boys, he's been able to give us a coherent story that builds on itself every season, but also builds on itself every episode. And none of it feels like it's undoing a piece of what was done before. And I think that like when you just look at this one person's work and use that as, a, as examples of what he's talking about, it works very very well and we should be getting better quality of storytelling because these like they're signing on for a full season like there are some network television shows that get canceled after five episodes like that happens because network tv is volatile um but you pretty much know what you're getting with streaming i mean sequential seasons you may not know but you can wrap a story in one season and leave it open or like it, it's a lot more structured and I think that it's really interesting to see him contextualize it this way, given his history. It's funny because you're talking about that way in which I also have like problems with stuff, but I also kind of in the opposite way of kind of more, I'm thinking almost an episode number. Cause you talk about how 
uh, filler gets away from the story sometimes, which I think we do have in network TV. But some of my problem with some of the stuff we've been getting with streamer streaming even well, I think the boys does well of telling a story. But I feel like at some point it leaves me wanting more of like, okay, we get eight episodes. That that's all I got for a year, and I not I agree that not every show needs a lot more. But I wish I, I do miss in a lot of cases the twenty two episodes for a lot of shows. And I, I wouldn't in a show like even the boys I think works well with filler. Um, yeah. And I think you brought up animation, or you may brought up anime to kind of manga. But I think of like just general animation of like animation gets hurt. A lot of times, because there's just a lot of shows where Disenchantment is probably my biggest one that I think of like the weird thing of like network versus streaming because it's on a streaming platform and they want it to run like the streaming platform of telling a story. But the show clearly is not designed to tell a story, it's just supposed to be like Futurama and Medieval Times, which there is no story, it's just fun, what everything. And I feel like we've lost a lot of those shows in that case, and I think we just get a lot less content. And I, obviously, we get in the weird thing of, like, there's tons and tons of content out there, but we're getting less and less of individual contents, if that makes sense. Do, like, you're, only, you know, you're getting eight episodes for maybe three seasons. That's it. You're not, you're not getting a 15-year-long yeah, like, yeah. franchise yeah. of a series. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's that's supposed fair. to be almost like that bingeable content. But, do, do you know, it's interesting, Matt, that you bring some of that stuff up, because it, it makes me think of um, the... They've done it twice now in both seasons, but within Mythic Quest, you've got yeah. that one kind of like really out of context episode to kind of stretch. Yeah. And it's just built off one little thing, but it's done really well and it works its way into the story. Like it, it would be nice to maybe see like some of that, you know, yeah. built within the boys. But it's the, the difficult thing there I always think about is I wonder what the studio or, you know, what the larger picture is. Obviously yeah. we've, we've, just talked about Gen V coming as well. So so I don't mind filler. I think filler can be good. I just don't like how a lot of network TV, ha like when you do end up on a volatile network or in a weird space, filler becomes the, uh, the way to undo or backdoor pilot a lot of stuff and it detracts. I like Supernatural has some amazing filler episodes. But like, I, I guess for me, but, I'm thinking of like, at this point now we're getting backdoor, we're getting like, I can look at every Disney Plus seasons. every Disney Plus show yeah. at this point just a backdoor to open up their next show or Star Wars. Yeah, no, and I'm I, like, that's cool, fair. Now I got five that's episodes. Or, yeah, as we no, talked about fair. on the last episode, three of the Boba Fett episodes. Which, went to well, so that's show. what I was gonna say too. Like, <laughs> it is also one of those things too. Is like the fact that it is such a smaller order filler stands out more. And it hurts the story. And it feels like a waste of it. Yes. yes. No, you're, you're yeah. correct. Yeah. If I, if I have 20, 20 episodes of actual story and two episodes of filler, I'm fine. Yeah. It's funny because I, I saw... Was I say, it's, to, it's the weight. It's the weight it's that the it weight, carries. Yeah. It's funny because we were talking about that and I happened to, as we were getting ready for this, I happened to see a tweet of somebody talking to someone about the filler stuff and they're like, I remember watching Dawson's Creek and somebody went and watched and learned soccer for an episode and it was never mentioned ever again, but it was great. <laughs> I was just like cool man well it's like those classic ones because obviously we all grew up in the generation where it was tv and like that's it like you just had to watch whatever so like there was always those classic ones where someone goes in a coma and then they're back in like the 1920s and you just like just yeah. to do the coma episode um star trek was also... always fun with the filler episodes I think it is also a different way of just how we consume stuff now because a lot of the way network television was built was it was built 
to be able to give you enough information in one episode that you could watch it no matter when it came on. Correct. Because a lot of the dedicated network television shows ran in syndication, like Supernatural ran in syndication across four different networks, I think. And like it was made, like the my first time I watched Supernatural, I watched like an episode in season one that was like the tenth episode, and then I watched like season three, and like it would like, but you understood the identity of the show in the one episode, and I think that like moving away from that, which I think goes into Kripke's other point about a, a movie versus like a series, because it's self-contained on one platform, you don't have like you're never having that stumble upon experience that you have when you're in the gym and all of a sudden Dean and Sam Winchester are on the gym TV at three (laughs) o'clock. Like that is just a very different like entryway standpoint that network television does that we don't see on streaming at all. We also don't get a lot of two part things like two partners in network television was a like uh, was a winter, a winter finale into the like intro episode for the next season and then like now a two-parter is like and now we're done with the series the season will it get a season two we don't know maybe (laughs) yeah well i was gonna say and you know building off of some of that with like the 10-hour movie versus the the tv story narrative i mean i think what you know eric kripke's kind of basically said within this is like i want to hook you in right away like don't I don't want you to wait like it's it's that immediate impact because he knows you know based on what he's done with the work from Supernatural every episode had to stand by itself and to pull you in to to keep pulling you in knew, knowing that he had to keep you there for 22 episodes yeah. for the entire season and he's got that same mentality carrying into this like I've got less time to tell a story but more opportunity to really let like let it land yeah, which I think we've gotten, we kind of talked a little bit last time with kind of the problem, a little different, like, exposition, but we're kind of in the same sense of what we're getting of, like, I'm not going to lie, like, if you have a 10 episode, like, I'm very much of, like, there are certain, certain shows that I'll give up, if I like your, I said this before, of, like, with these 10-hour movie things, like, look, I'll give you, if you have a 10-episode season, I, maybe I'll give you three episodes. If you have six, you're getting, like, one, maybe two but no, I am just tired of like the first four episodes of pretty much almost a lot of these shows just suck and they're boring and they're very slow. It's like they're trying to make everything a slow burn, but it's not even like burning. It's just slow. And I don't. And it. Oh, go ahead. It's weird because I feel like I the reason I love the boys is because I constantly feel like I am being pulled back in. And I think that there have been a lot of specifically Netflix shows that I've watched and it's been like. Mm, I don't know if I like this. This first episode's an hour and it feels like two. This is weird. And then you hit episode four. Yeah, Yeah, and then you hit episode four and it's like, oh my God. Whoa. And I think it's weird for me to have that mentality on a streaming service because unlike the network television shows where you have, where you can always stumble into it, if you try a Netflix series and you don't like that first episode, you got 200 other things you can go watch um with with streaming services in general so i think that that is something that also hurts it i think that it hurts it even more too is when you have something that is built for streaming and say you have somebody who's trying to make their 10-hour movie which i think is a dumb thing to do don't do that um if you have somebody making that 10-hour movie and then you make people wait 
a week to watch the next scene in that 10 hour movie like no like i'm gonna dip out <laughs> it loses context it loses like the power of like the message you're trying it's literally said like I've got this story, it's going to take 10 hours, I'm just going to literally chop it up in this. Netflix is always going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, those first couple of episodes can t sometimes struggle, and I know I've, I've definitely watched other shows like that on Apple TV+, Plus, where, like, it takes a couple of episodes to kind of get going, but then it does hit that pace, but you're, you're right, it, it just... There's just so many other things to kind of go and binge and to... to to fall into but i think what i like about what Kripp, eric kripke's done especially with the boys is just like you said Kate, it just keeps pulling you in you watch it one episode and you do naturally just want more i think for like which is kind of interesting could we talk about the total 10 hour thing and obviously like one what i've done like about the boys and which i think we've missed in a lot of these other shows especially the 10 hour movies is what might happen in episode two or episode three can be quote unquote shocking or like rebel thing versus a lot of these other shows. It's like, mm, I'll just skip to episode eight to where we get to actual stuff that matters. Um, and I don't think, I think it's, it's like, it's constantly building towards one big yeah, thing. It's constantly as building opposed but to little, like loads of little things. And so it does end up with like, as Kate said, the, I guess the gym scenario, which was very specific. Is this how you found Supernatural on the gym? <laughs> it, it, no, 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 no. I was, there was one, no, okay. So I did not find Supernatural in the gym, but I started working out in the gym at 2 o'clock because t it was always set to TNT, and TNT would have their Supernatural block. I feel like that's, that's the episode. That's the episode title yeah, right I there. Did I didn't find, find Supernatural, Supernatural in the gym. gym. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it it it's become a increasingly more popular thing to say, hasn't it? Like you you've seen so many people lately uh, give interviews like, "Oh, I've made this epic six hour movie and put it in a TV show," and it's just like you, you that's not TV. It doesn't work that yeah. way, and we're we're seeing it more and more, and it just feels so out of place, and that the pacing's off and. And I think it's also, like, really disrespectful for television as a medium. And I yeah. think that that is something that film has very specifically been doing since streaming has started, is consistently trying to make itself look more artsy and better than something that is on a streaming platform or is directly going to viewers and isn't seen in a theater. And so TV has always been treated as something that is not up to snuff for storytelling. And that's just not the case. Like, a lot of series are more compelling than films. But you have to respect the medium of television, of episodic storytelling, of serialization. You have to understand what that story looks like spread apart. And with this 10-hour movie stuff, they just don't. And I think like with anything else that you craft, if you don't respect the medium that you're going into, you're going to wind up not bringing fans with you or being as large as you could. It's funny because one... The biggest critique out of all American film telling that we've told about at this point for the last, like, four years has been pacing. And the biggest part of the pacing yeah. is TV. They want to make movies and TV. Two, all I think about is 30 Rock, where the everybody, all the A-listers call Tracy Morgan's character back. You're going to go to TV? How can you go to TV now? You're a TV person? I can't yeah. hang... Tom Hanks is like, I can't hang out with you anymore. I think the only... The only... Outside of the boys, the only series that did a format where each episode built on the next one and that I felt like you could just walk in at any episode and be intrigued by was The Witcher. 
I think that that is what I loved about The Witcher is that it nailed that piece of understanding the medium that you are in in a similar way to The Boys for me. I think it does okay. I still think it's... Season one. Season, season one, one, yeah. Okay, is, more. Yeah, season one. I think it's another season. great example of the show where I, you could do 15 episodes with that. Just showcase the world. Like, who cares if it's just Roach and him wandering the hillside and kill a monster? Who cares? <laughs> Why do we have to go find the child all the time? Just kill a monster for once. Which is hard because The Witcher does feel like Monster of the Week in a way. Like, parts of that series is Monster of the Week. They just don't commit the entire time because they have a six-episode order instead of a... Hell, just give us 13 episodes if you're not going to give me 26 or 22. Give me 13. Absolutely, yeah. And then we could have some kind of, like, yeah. Monster of the Week filler in there. And I'd be fine with that. Yeah, see, yeah, it, it, it works within the parameters. No, I totally agree. Because I didn't understand. We went from the 22 or 26, technically 22, and we got to 13. And we're like, yeah, cool. All the Netflix shows were 13. Or like the Marvel ones, and then all of a sudden, magically, now we're at eight and six, and maybe at ten if we're if it's a comedy, I guess, because they don't value. I was going to say, I know HBO kind of works within that ten ten episode, but like gradually, it seems to be getting less and less. Yeah, they all seem to be getting less and less, and then they're like, it's one hundred and fifty million, and I'm like, for what? See, it's it's interesting as well because like you know, in talking kind of like episodes of the week, kind of like the adventure of the week. We just got off the back of, you know, talking about Strange New Worlds. And that is the perfect kind of season, the perfect kind of stories where you can just pick up any episode and be like, okay, you didn't like this one. Well, the next one could be very, very different. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of definitely uh, very good episodes or definitely very good seasons out there or things you can watch that, that definitely still hold up to that. But I, I guess the weekly versus the binge effect um how like how do we feel like that fits into this whole well i know kate had mentioned it earlier talking about kind of maybe a weekly episode thing and this is probably the worst thing one i will always hate weekly television it was dumb whoever discovered decided that was a great idea terrible i don't like you um but it's been kind of the both the weird thing and the bad thing of kind of depending on the platform for me like the Netflix shows that we talk about, we say like the first three or four episodes are kind of bad, and because it's kind of like a ten-hour movie, I can kind of okay and watch those and get to episode four and get it let it kick in because I can binge it all at one setting and it's fine. All the Disney shows, Halo, even technically some of well the boys is a little better, but I can't imagine. But there's just so many episodes where I'm like this was terrible. Now, do you think some of the switch from this like kind of like binged? Well, obviously, we went from weekly to binge to weekly. Do you think some of that is an effect of what we've seen at the back end of the pandemic as well? Trying to buy time before they can get to the next show? I mean, I think we're kind of, we're seeing a lot more influx of shows lately, but... I think a lot of it is just if you have stuff going in weekly, you can guarantee a subscription and care and guarantee not, not canceling. And I also think you can sell more advertisement space that way. You, I'm not gonna lie. That's the Disney is. model is probably the biggest, best example. You can say, "Hey, Disney, we want," but like Disney had like four shows in that first year, and they gave you basically ten hours of content in the entire year, and people kept their sub for an entire year for yep. ten hours of content. Yeah. I just wish it. I wish it was flexible. Does this story make sense to go weekly, or would it? Would it be more cohesive to just have it be binged? Exactly. And just be flexible with that. See, and people get mad, but honestly, the problem was 
Disney pulled this off, and then everybody still paid, and then everybody realized people are dumb. We can clearly do this, and then because it was right after that is when all of a sudden Netflix started doing it, Amazon Prime, because all of Amazon Prime shows for the beginning were all benched. We're all benched. And then yeah. once they found out that oh, people will pay a year subscription for twenty two episodes of like four hours of content. Oh, why are we doing this? So we're the dumb. interesting thing though is not all Amazon shows are weekly. So Undone, which was six episodes, thirty minutes a piece, they released all at one time. <laughs> And it just depends. I know I, um, the marvelous, uh, marvelous Miss Maisel. They did two episodes a week. Yeah, Diabolical. I, I, was I enjoyed all at one that. Time. Yeah. yeah, and Diabolical was also all at one time too. And I do um, wonder, in general, which we kind of talked about before, like how much do we do these networks or streaming platforms value their show as a discourse, quote unquote, show yeah. versus just a show people are going to watch? Yeah, like The Witcher always gets dropped, but The Witcher doesn't get watched. People go. Nobody cares about The Witcher, and they're like, yeah, but it was more watched than, like, literally all these other shows that y'all spent ten hours arguing about every I was going to say, o- yeah. Ozark's one of those shows that, like, it was on top of the Netflix charts for ages. Yeah, it was like, everybody's like, oh, nobody, HBO doing it right by we- recent weekly, and then you look at the list, and it's like eight Netflix shows and then an HBO show, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was a great conversation. Uh, let us know your thoughts. If you want to uh, chime in on the conversation, you can find us on social media or the Discord. But that brings us to our last topic of the podcast, where we tell you what we've been watching that we think you should watch. So, Kate, I'm going to start you off. What have, what have you been watching lately? Gosh, I am currently covering Fantasia International Film Festival. It started on July 14th and it goes till August 3rd. I have watched 20 movies, written about 15 of them. But the one thing that I really want to tell you all to keep your eyes on this year is G-Kids Film Slate. Um, so they recently put out the Deer King, which I, uh, which is just entered theaters. Um, these are all Japanese animations, but I think that they don't hit that standard, like what people assume is anime. Um, they're feature films, uh, mostly original stories and they're killing it. I got to see Inuo and, uh, Goodbye Don Gleese at Fantasia and they are two of the best animated films, like, oh. So, I am telling you, watch G Kids films. They are coming out with amazing things. If you love animation, even if you don't love anime, like this is a really great entryway to understand how this medium is being used to tell stories that go way beyond what you expect. Um, and then I think on top of that, I got to watch Jordan Peele's Nope, and it was so good. It it very much reminded me or not reminded me, but it captured all of the things that I love about science fiction. Um, it The scope and scale is ginormous. He li- And I know everybody said it on Twitter, but like he swung for the fences. He was like, I don't care if you expect me to do this. I am going to give you big, big sci-fi because I love sci-fi. And that's what he did. And I think like there, there are a lot of twists in the film that are well pulled off um, that I think any sci-fi fan, any alien fan any creature feature fan would really appreciate and then i also think if you get angry at characters for doing dumb things that won't happen in this (laughs) in this film there is literally a part where daniel kaluuya's character 
uh, opens the door of the car to get out. And then he just like, nope, he closes it. And then something happens and he locks the door and he sleeps in the car for the night because he's like, I'm not doing it. My sister may be in that house, but I'm not going to go save her. I'm not. She's in the house. She's fine. It can't get in there. And he just sleeps in the car. And I'm like, you know what? You're a smart man. And it, it's all of those choices that I think work really well um, because that's what you don't get in a lot of sci-fi and horror. And then um, the fun thing is uh, Remarriage and Desires is a K-drama on Netflix it's eight episodes, and it is essentially, if you like soap operas, if you like telenovelas, like Mexican ones that are completely crazy, it is like a 50-episode novella arc put into eight episodes of this Korean drama. There is kidnapping, there is hidden children, there are murder plots, there are affairs, there's a love pentagon. Yes, a love pentagon. It is very good. It is messy as all hell and, like, really good. And the villain doesn't apologize at the end, which is great. Um, we, always, yeah. we always love a good villain. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's really what I think y'all should watch. Um, make sure we have reviews for everything that I talked about up on this site. And if you want to catch all of our Fantasia coverage, which me, my, uh, which me, myself, me, CJ, and Ricardo are all doing, you can head out there. And then we also have coverage of Outfest, um, Outfest LA, which is a LGBTQ plus uh, film festival. And then we also have San Diego Comic-Con coverage up on the site. So go check all of that out. <sighs> that was a lot of talking. That's a lot. I wonder, I wonder what else you'll be able to get done in the day. Jeez. Matt, what about you? What have you been watching, playing, doing? I haven't really watched anything. I've been playing, I just want to say I've been playing Civ Six. I got off the summer seam stale. Between all the RTSs, which is, this would be a turn base. Um, same, uh, Civ Six, Civilization Six, been great. Been playing that. Um, I did want to do one game, probably talk about it a little bit because I've seen a lot, and obviously we did get a review for it of Stray, the little kitty cat game from. Oh, that apparently, amazing. it is a lot of fun. The between the great memes that we've had from this, but also just playing a, a game as a cat and having all the fun. And I'm not going to lie, the fact that they went for the whole merch of, like, selling the cat in a backpack, like, merch, like, the cat, the cat backpack, backpack, like, with the little everything from the game, you can't beat that. It was just great. Um, and so that's about all I got, but I just want to talk about. That, the game a game looks adorable. It popped up on my PlayStation 3, and I was just like, I've, I've seen it out before, and it's just like, I could see just playing this game. And you can just push things off for no reason. And yeah, I'm if you ever want to be a cat, awesome. carefree, do whatever you want, push things off. Do it. Just go into the stray hashtag on Twitter and watch people take pictures and videos of their cat doing cat things in oh. front of the stray cat doing cat things. It's great. It is amazing. Yeah. And we do have a review for that on the site, but I want to bring that one up just because go watch cat things. Uh, and I was going to say the only thing I can recommend that I've been watching is uh, Solar Opposites Season 3 is out on Hulu. I absolutely love that. Uh, I did just re recently re uh, watch um, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, which I know, Kate, you reviewed. And it's, it was so good! It's beautiful. It, it's such a lovely film, man. Like, I, it's phenomenal. I loved it. I Nothing bad to say about it. Perfect length and just fantastic. Really, really good. And I also watched Light and Magic, which is going to be coming out on Disney Plus on July 27th, I believe. And I think they're dropping... The whole season, it's about uh, basically the history of ILM uh, with a lot of in-depth interviews. Uh, a lot of good fun. Really, really fun. And then uh, I've also just started watching uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is 
by Mike McCann, who also did Solar Opposites. Uh, phenomenal. And again, it's more Star Trek, and it's just... It, it, I like the light-hearted and they poke fun of the whole genre and just just Star Trek in general. It, it's it's awesome. It, it's right down my alley. Uh, and in that, it kind of plays into your whole uh, disenchantment thing as far as kind of like just having one fun episode and you can just take it and, you know, doesn't have to necessarily connect with the next episode. And that's on Star Trek Plus. <laughs> Paramount Plus? Star Trek that's Plus. on Star Trek Plus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's <laughs> literally that series. That, that, they and, only and have Halo, Star Trek. Which is, it's basically Halo, which yes. is just video game Star Trek, right? That's our show. Thanks so much for listening in. If you like what we're doing, please don't forget to drop us a like, subscribe, retweet, review, whatever we can get, we will take. Uh, make sure to check out the site, our YouTube channel, Twitch. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can always find us in the But Why Though Discord, chatting about the latest in pop culture news. Uh, Kate, where can the people find you and if they want to check out more of your stuff? You can find me at oh my myth Randier on Twitter. That is, it is, it is, it's just shit posts. It's shit posts, and sometimes <laughs> me getting really sad about the state of the world. You never know what you're gonna get any given day. Um, I like to think I am a terrible follow, but for some reason people stay. Uh, and then you can find all my manga and anime stuff on Instagram at that same handle, oh my myth Randier. Yeah. Uh, I've been your host, Aaron, and you can always find me at BritishCPA on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also find all my writing at the Book Why Though website. Uh, and you can find me featured on some of the Twitch and YouTube reviews as well, because that's always fun to check out. Uh, and if that's not enough and you still want to talk to me, you can find me in the Book Why Though Discord. And I am always there, and you can come say hello. At discord.gg slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. See, I tried to plug that on the last episode. I was like, damn, I forgot the, the link that Kate can like rattle off so easily. It's simple. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> how about you, pal? You can find me playing Civ and not watching your favorite TV shows out of spite just because I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm.